0: Filthy Henry Case Files The Hang Under Part 2 Filthy Henry stepped out into the horrible daylight and smiled, the door to the cheeky cherub closing quietly behind him. It never ceased to amaze the fairy detective just how easy it was to beat the magical folk at their own game. There was some sort of blind spot in their collective fairy minds that just prevented them from ever thinking that a mortal, or half-breed, was able to play the conversational chess just as well as a fairy could. One of the oldest and therefore most true facts you could find in the fairy tales was that a fairy never ever revealed their true name to anyone. Names had power in magical circles. To know a person's true name meant you could bend them to your will, or cast a spell to do them harm. While it was true that Filthy Henry knew many fairy creatures on a first-name basis, that was merely the first of a long list of names they had. After all, if nobody was ever allowed to use their name in public for fear of magical reprisals, most conversations would start with, Here, you over there. And ultimately end in mass confusion as several heads looked around to see who exactly was being called. The changeling had underestimated Filthy Henry, exactly as the fairy detective had known he would. After four unsuccessful guesses as to what Filthy Henry's name was, the fairy had given up. But not before sharing the information he had with the fairy detective about the previous night. A deal magically sealed was a deal after all even if you were a poor loser. The information, as it happened, had not been the earth-shattering clue Filthy Henry had been hoping for. There had been no explanation of how the ferry detective was suffering from a hangover, only where he had come from. A party up on Stephen's Green. With another healthy glug from the sports drink, the ferry detective headed off in the direction of St. Stephen's Green, taking the less busy streets to avoid people and thus limit any jostling of crowds. Twenty minutes later, the ferry detective stepped up to a gate into St. Siemens Green Park on the Leeson Street side. The park was one of those rare beauties in a sprawling urban hub. Tall leafy trees, green grass and flower beds blooming in colour, pushing back against the grey concrete and stonework around the park. It was a rectangle of tranquillity for many. People would come over regularly from the offices around to eat their lunch, pretending for a moment they were not in the city. So popular was the park that it was very rare to find it completely devoid of people during the day. Passing through the gates, Filthy Henry sipped out a sports drink and looked at the crowd. The changeling had merely said there'd been a party in the park, nothing more. Which meant that the very detective now had to do detective work to figure out just what in Dagda's fat belly he was meant to be looking for. Seriously, isn't it against the law to have to work while hungover? We're Irish for Pete's sake. Filthy Henry said out loud. "'I'd vote for that if you brought that in,' a randomer walking path said before disappearing into the crowd. Filthy Henry grinned and slowly started walking the gravel path through the park. Given that it was the day after St. Patrick's Day, the park was populated with an interesting mix of groups. You had the young families whose parents had taken the day off to make an extra long weekend out of it, the energetic individuals running around from invisible non-existent monsters for health reasons, Peppered in groups on the grassy areas were people trying to keep the party from the previous day going, sneaking sips from beer cans and looking around for any gardie who might spoil the fun. Then you had people trying desperately to sleep off their hangovers. Basically, all manners of people from varied walks of life occupied as much of the park as was humanly possible, except for a large clear space in the centre. Despite the fact it had ample amounts of grass to sit on, cover beneath some trees, and was far enough away from any of the paths that the noise from passers-by would be at a minimum. If he wanted to sleep off a hangover, this was prime real estate, yet nobody in the area was using it. Filthy Henry knew instantly why. There were fairies in the area, and the mortal minds were all avoiding the spot, instead of having a complete mental breakdown at the sight of magical creatures. Flicking on his fairy vision revealed seven leprechauns asleep on the grass. They were spread out, taking up as much space as possible for their little slumber party. Several empty bottles were littered between them. However, what really made those not-your-normal garden gnome variety leprechaun was how each of them were dressed. Instead of the usual bright green suit typically associated with the leprechaun, they looked like a tiny group of Power Rangers. Each leprechaun wore a colour of the rainbow, which sparkled painfully in the hungover daylight. This has to be the party, Filthy Henry said to himself. Although, how exactly i end up drinking with this bunch of degenerates is a mystery for another day. He strolled across the park, up to the red leprechaun, and kicked the fairy in the left butt cheek. Mother of Tagda, the leprechaun roared, rolling over on his back and staring up at Filthy Henry. Ah, it's you! How's the head? Still on my shoulders, the fairy detective replied. But my brain is desperately trying to escape from my skull. What happened here last night? gesturing around at the other sleeping leprechauns with his sports bottle. Filthy Henry sat down on the grass and groaned. St. Patrick's Day, the leprechaun said. One day of the year that leprechaun lets us go boozing. Being in the Rainbow Guard is an honour, but we need a day off like everyone else. The Rainbow Guard was leprechaun's personal protection squad. Seven powerful leprechauns who each channelled their own magical energies into powering the rainbow beneath which the mother croc the King of the Leprechauns' personal crock of gold could be found. In general, they never left wherever Leprechaun kept the mother crock, on account of how they were essentially a walking alarm system. If anyone ever got their hands on the mother crock, then the title for King of the Leprechauns was up for grabs, something Leprechaun would never allow to happen. Filthy Henry gave the sparkly red Leprechaun a side-eye look, then slowly shifted his position so he could stare at the fairy straight on. Something was not right about the leprechaun's face, but the fairy detective was not quite able to put his finger on it. Then, through the fog of the worst hangover ever, Filthy Henry figured it out. Why are you not absolutely dying? he asked the leprechaun. The phrase, absolutely dying, was something of a local colloquialism specific to Ireland, rarely heard outside the Emerald Isle. In the simplest terms, it literally meant that the person was not actually dying but rather they were so hung over that the sweet release of death would be considered a mercy. A recent Countrywide Human Resources survey revealed that the most popular excuse given by people in their early twenties for missing a day in work was filed under, absolutely dying. In the fairy world, the phrase meant the exact same thing, as the leprechaun simply shrugged his shoulders in answer to Filthy Henry's question. Oh, I don't know, he said. I mean, why would I be hung over? The fairy detective looked at the numerous empty fairy ale bottles strewn around the grass, then back to the leprechaun and read. I don't know, maybe because you seem to have drunk enough of the good stuff to take down several elephants. You had fun with us, so what's the big deal? the leprechaun asked, appearing to be hurt. Filthy Henry frowned, then winced as the movement of muscles in his forehead caused a sharp stab of pain. Wait, he said. You mean I was drinking with you lot last night? I thought you all didn't like me particularly after the whole thing on Grafton Street Oh that? No that was nothing personal I mean Stoker killed your buddy I totally get revenge on that level The problem was you were running around with so much magic pouring through your veins that Leprechaun was genuinely worried you might explode and do more damage to the city than a small nuke It's all water under the hapenny bridge half-breed Even drinking buddies it seemed were still comfortable with using derogatory slurs well, then enlighten me, Filthy Henry said. What exactly did we get up to last night? And how come I've got a hangover that would take out a small asteroid in a Hollywood blockbuster? Well, we partied, the red leprechaun said, smiling. Anything more than that? You don't remember? Really? Damn, maybe you should avoid having hangovers if they knock out such an awesome night entirely from your memories like this. Just not worth it, as the mortals would say. Here, let me show you. The leprechaun stood up and gestured with his left hand, making three circles in the air. A small golden disc appeared, little specks of magical dust falling from the edge down onto the ground. Inside the disc was an image, a picture frozen in time. It was a filthy Henry and the Rainbow Guard out drinking in some pub. From the looks of the other clientele, it was a mortal pub they were in. No other fairies in sight. The fairy detective even had a smile on his face suggesting it may have been at the time the very start of the night's festivities. With a quick gesture of his hand the leprechaun caused the image to transform into a slideshow. Each picture showed more mirth and merriment taking place with the leprechauns and Filthy Henry getting progressively drunker as the night progressed. That was an interesting thing to note as it was recorded evidence of the fairy detective actually feeling the effects of alcohol for the first time ever. Watching the magical slideshow was like being an amnesiac movie star. Filthy Henry knew it was him in the images, and yet had absolutely no memory of anything. Which was strange, as the fairy detective always assumed you at least remembered the start of your night out, before the alcohol worked its wonders on your memory brain cells and killed them off, so that you woke up in a stupor the next morning with a large blank spot in your brain as to what had taken place the previous night. Hold up, Filthy Henry said. How did we all start drinking together in the first place? The lad suggested we go to Brogan's and start drinking there and you were helping out some American who'd been burned by a taxi driver. Turned out the driver had not been human and basically left the poor tourist without a cent to her name. Anyway, in the spirit of St. Patrick's Day I offered to buy you a drink and you accepted and then we just kept drinking. Filthy Henry took another gulp from the sports drink, mentally thanked Bunty's magical sunglasses spell for working wonders and looked at the slideshow again. Suppose it seems innocent enough. I was expecting some sort of magical hijinks to explain how we ended up partying all night. The leprechaun shrugged his shoulders. Not all of us are out to get you, you know, he said. One of the images caught Filthy Henry's attention. He held out his hands, grasping at the magical display. Hold on a second. What the hell? The leprechaun leaned forward and chuckled. Oh, yeah. We visited the Druid Stone. We thought it'd be a laugh to mess with Drew. It would, Phil Henry said. But why the hell is he wearing Leprechaun's hat? The Druid Stone was Dublin's premier magical store, located on Parliament Street. It had withstood the test of city planners for decades. Nestled between a small newsagent and a coffee shop, the store stood out like a sore thumb with all the modern shopfronts around it. But when you catered to a specific market, looking like your popular neighbours, was far down on the list of priorities. It was also the only store that fairy detectives could go to for supplies when a case required ingredients for something. Drew the Druid, the store's proprietor and Filthy Henry, had a history that went way back. A history that made the Dark Ages seem positively illuminating. Stepping through the front door, Filthy Henry winced as the little bell overhead tinkled and caused his hangover headache to flare up. It was as if the bell had been positioned there years ago to cause Filthy Henry agony at this very moment. He peered around the empty store, frowned, then walked over towards the shop counter. It's fairly dead in here today, isn't it? Filthy Henry asked Drew the Druid. The Druid looked up from the book he was reading and gave Filthy Henry the old stink eye. What in dog does fat belly are you doing in here? he asked the fairy detective. Hang on, am I barred? To be honest, between yourself and Bunty Dooley's, it's very hard to keep track. I'd say it would be easier for you to always assume you're barred from wherever you want to go in, Drew said, marking his page and closing the book. Now, what are you actually doing in here? Filthy Henry leaned against the edge of the counter and peered at the druid through his magical sunglasses. He really wanted to reach up and adjust them, like they did in the movies, but the effect would have been lost on somebody as uncultured as Drew. Look, "'I like you, and I know you don't like me. "'We both know how the dynamic works by now. "'Well, you've got it backwards there a bit. "'I'm fairly sure we don't like each other in equal measure.' "'The fairy detective raised his hand in the air "'and waved it back and forth, signalling for some silence. "'I'm too hungover to be dealing with these sort of conversational linguistics,' he said. "'I just need to know what the hell happened last night "'so I can figure out how I came into possession of something I shouldn't. "'And also... Why do I feel rough as a badger's arse? Drew the Druid frowned. How are you hungover? he asked. Isn't it nearly impossible for you to get drunk on mortal or fairy alcohol? Well, I thought so too, Filthy Henry said. And believe me, figuring that out is top of my list. Right after I figure out how I'm currently holding Leprechaun's hat, Drew the Druid said, cutting the fairy detective off at the end. Filthy Henry narrowed his eyes and squinted at the Druid in what he hoped in his hungover state, would pass for an intimidating look. How do you know about that? Because I'm the one who gave it to you, the druid said, matter-of-factly. And tell me there, Sunshine, why did you have his hat in the first place? I didn't. You and the Rainbow Brigade came into the store with it, tried to scare off the out-of-town customers here for the parade. You can't see the magical side of things, the fairy detective said. did you know the Rainbow Guard were here with me? Because you told me they were. They also revealed themselves to me briefly when the customers ran off screaming about the floating hat. Basically, you convinced them the store was haunted. I grabbed the hat off an invisible head as it floated past and put it on my head, which apparently was the funniest thing the leprechauns had ever seen. They laughed themselves out of the shop. Then I threw it into your arms and told you all to get the hell out. Filthy Henry was worried his frown was going to become a permanent fixture. Oddly, It was the only facial expression he could manage that didn't seem to aggravate the hangover. So the fairy detective moved the required muscles and frowned at what Drew the druid had said. Do you mean we had the hat when we arrived? The druid nodded his bald head twice. It floated in behind you when you stumbled in here, well and truly drunk off your backside. I don't think anybody else noticed, because they're all drunk as well. You have to love St. Patrick's Day when it comes to drunk people spending more money on mystical Irish tat. Which means the micro-power rangers all lied to me, the fairy detective said, standing up from the counter. Excuse me, Drew. I have to go and batter some leprechauns. Filthy Henry stepped into St. Stephen's Green once again and winced as his head throbbed. Having no real baseline to work from, it was hard to tell if the hangover was getting better or worse although what the fairy detective had heard over the years was that they were meant to die down as the day progressed, particularly if you spent most of the day downing a mixture of headache tablets and sports drinks for rehydration. But if anything, this hangover was getting stronger, almost as if you were still drinking booze and topping up the pain levels. That was something that needed further investigating. First, however, there was a group of drunken leprechauns that needed to be taught not to mess with Filthy Henry. A lesson he felt sure they already knew after the last time they all tussled together. But sometimes you needed to really hammer a lesson into a stubborn head. The number of people in the park had not dwindled in the hour since he had been there. If anything, there were more people now enjoying the little bit of greenery in the heart of the city. Filthy Henry tried his best to blend in with the crowd, moving slowly along the paths towards the centre where he had seen the Rainbow Guard earlier. They were still in the exact same spot lying around like drunken fragments of prismatic light. Except, as the very detective observed them from a distance, they were not actually drunk. Far from it, in fact. Somebody had gone on a supply run, judging by the number of unopened bottles of booze stacked in the centre of the little group. Each of the leprechauns had a bottle in his hand as they drank and sang joyously together. Around them the mortals, unaware that seven leprechauns were having an afternoon drinking session were mere inches away smiled at the salty songs being sung even though they couldn't find the source. Filthy Henry sipped from a sports drink and thought about how he was going to approach this. Leprechauns were pure fairies, which meant a mere half-breed such as himself would be unable to handle one of them on his own, let alone seven. But you didn't always need to use magic in order to teach your fairy a lesson. Sometimes you just needed the right sized boot on the proper foot. The fairy detective slipped in behind a group of teenagers using them for cover so that he could come up on the leprechauns from their collective blind spot. As he approached, Filthy Henry felt his stomach churn ever so slightly, another aspect of being hungover that the fairy detective had never experienced until today. He reached down to his belly, gave it a reassuring pat to settle, then stopped and stared at the orange member of the Rainbow Guard. With a bottle of fairy ale in his hand, the leprechaun was taking a long sip Each mouthful happened to coincide with the gurgles of discomfort in Filthy Henry's stomach. When the leprechaun had had his fill, he put the bottle down on the ground and started laughing at some joke his fellow Rainbow Guards were making. But as soon as the bottle touched the grass, the fairy detective's stomach stopped feeling rougher than after a night of several dodgy dishes with exotic spices. Those Rainbow Guard goons are behind this bloody hangover, he said. That's why not one of them is suffering at all today. He stepped out from behind the group of teenagers and ran straight over to the leprechauns. Without giving them any warning, Filthy Henry reached down and grabbed the blue rainbow guard by the scruff of his shiny outfit. Hauling the leprechaun into the air, Filthy Henry stopped in the middle of the group and glared down at them all with the wrath reserved for the truly horrible fairies in the world. A shared hangover! the fairy detective shouted. Are you dagged to kidding me? Six ginger-coloured bearded faces looked up at him. Eyes opened wide in shock and horror. In his hand the blue guard wriggled round like a fish on a hook, trying desperately to get free. Small fists made empty swipes in the air, trying to reach Filthy Henry's face. At an unspoken word, the six leprechauns jumped to their feet. Green and red grabbed Blue's feet, tugging the leprechaun out of Filthy Henry's grip. Then all seven leprechauns regrouped on the other side of the flower bed and ran away. Oh, the game is bloody well on! the fairy detective said, running after the Rainbow Guard. In the movies, these sort of chases were always intricate affairs, people weaving in and out of city crowds, pursuer losing sight of their prey, only to regain it again right as some side street was ducked into. It was epic, exciting, usually having some fantastic chase music associated with it. But in those scenarios, it was always a human chasing another human, or humans. Crowds worked against the pursuer, and in some cases, the people fleeing, acting like an intelligent sea that did its very best to get in the way. Chasing after fairies, however, was a different kettle of crazy entirely. For a start, it made Filthy Henry's job easier being the chaser, as losing sight of the leprechauns was not so big an issue. Mainly because as the group of fairies ran through the crowded Dublin streets, the mortals around them all moved in illogical patterns, their minds getting them out of magical harm's way, without revealing what was going on. It was like shooting leprechauns in a brewery. His newfound revelation about the source of the hangover had helped curb the pounding headache, filling Filthy Henry with righteous rage instead. As he ran down Grafton Street, weaving between the crowds, Filthy Henry spotted a void in the sea of people up ahead, the Rainbow Guard doing their very best to get away from him. But Filthy Henry knew these streets well. He had grown up in Dublin when the city itself had been growing up. Most folk knew the names of the streets and had to get around without looking like a tourist. Filthy Henry knew the very cobbles themselves. If the Rainbow Guard were running away from him, it was because they were trying to get back to Leprechaun's castle beneath the Phoenix Park. A place that no fairy, regardless of how powerful they were, could teleport even close to. The King of the Leprechauns took no chances when it came to protecting his mother croc, which meant that the Rainbow Guard were going to try and get away from Filthy Henry on foot and hope they arrived at the park before he did. Filthy Henry cut left down Chatham Street and ran with every ounce of energy he could muster. It was a gambit, but he felt good about making it. The leprechauns were going to try and keep to the thin, crowded streets in order to make it more difficult for the ferry detective to keep up. But that also meant that they still had to move in a westerly direction. Chatham Street would bring Filthy Henry onto Clarendon Street, which would lead down towards Wicklow Street in theory, the exact place the Rainbow Guard would be running to. But the fairy detective had learned years ago to trust his gut on certain things. If he had been in their shoes, running away from a maniac with magic, he wouldn't have made so obvious a play. He would have ducked off Grafton Street down Johnson's Court, an hour's street barely wide enough for two people to pass each other on, an ideal rat run to take if you wanted to put as many people as possible in the way of yourself and your pursuer. With sweat rolling down his forehead, the fairy detective could feel his lungs start to burn with the pain of exercise. Not for the first time, Filthy Henry pondered if maybe he should run more to stay in shape. Physically, he was a trim individual, owing largely to how his fairyside converted food into magical energies to allow him the power for spell casting. But looking in shape and staying in shape were two entirely different things. Then, As he saw a group of teenagers move apart so wide a car could drive through the little group, Filthy Henry forgot all about exercise and instead smiled that his gut had once again worked perfectly. The Rainbow Guard had cut down that side street and turned so they could head towards Wicklow Street. Filthy Henry was within an arm's reach of the Yellow Garden three steps. He thought about what spell would work best in this situation. Then the energy-efficient bulb went on in his eco-friendly head. "'Torrasus! La Rocky Brogue,' the fairy detective said, making a sweeping gesture with both his hands towards the feet of the Rainbow Guard. A thin purple line of energy appeared in the air above Filthy Henry. It formed between his hands and grew as they moved apart. The line snapped forward away from his fingertips and quickly floated down towards Yellow's feet. As the leprechaun continued running, the purple line looped around his left ankle before spawning a second line that continued forwards towards the red member of the Rainbow Guard. This effect continued, until in a matter of seconds, each of the leprechauns had a purple loop around one ankle, which connected them to one of their Rainbow Brethren. Then, without any warning or indication it was going to happen, the purple lines all went extremely taut. Every member of the Rainbow Guard fell face first into the pavement slabs, sliding along the ground like misshapen bowling balls the commotion it caused would leave many of the humans in the area wondering what exactly was going on. The coffee shop lost three outdoor tables as the leprechauns knocked them over on their way to the ground. Several rubbish bags went flying across the road and a stack of magazines being offloaded from a van were sent up in a comedic plume of pages. There's some wind out today, huh? Filthy Henry said, slowing down from his run and grinning at the numerous confused faces, looking around as they tried to figure out what had just happened. The fairy detective knelt down close to Green's head. He rapped his knuckles on the leprechaun's right temple several times. Hello? Phil the Henry said. Is there anybody in there? Green groaned and rolled over onto his back. His impact on the concrete had prepared his nose perfectly for any upcoming Christmas plays that required a Rudolph. The scraps and blood mingled with his ginger beard, giving the leprechaun a very unsettling face to look at. "'Magically tight shoelaces,' he said to Filthy Henry. "'Seriously, you couldn't have stopped us with something else?' The fairy detective stared down the street wistfully and shook his head. "'No, nope. you lot have given me a hangover. Seven hangovers, to be precise. Then you tried to get me in trouble with the pint-sized pest whose topped leprechaun. All for what? A bit of banter. You're lucky I didn't burn the beards right off your faces.' I know. come on, Filthy, that's a bit harsh, don't you?' Red began to say. "'Zip it, Shorty,' Filthy Henry snapped, pointing at the leprechaun before turning his attention back to Green. "'Now, here's how this thing is going to go down. "'You lot are going to undo the magical hangovers by taking them all back yourselves. "'Then you're going to come with me back to Bunty's to collect leprechaun's hat, "'and we're going to present it to him together.' "'Filthy Henry leaned down closer to Green's face, their noses almost touching. And if any of you lot ever try something like this again I will turn you into pieces so small they'd fit into a hundred lucky charms boxes. Now, get up. The humans think I'm talking to a crack in the ground. The Rainbow Guard sat in one of Bunty Dooley's boots looking like a group of school teenagers who had been caught drinking on an overnight class trip. There was not a smile to be seen on any of their faces. In fact, all you could see on their bearded visages was a look of pain and torture as their collective hangover returned to the proper owners. Apparently combining seven hangovers into one was not as easy as splitting one back into seven. So instead of them getting only their own hangover back, every member of the Rainbow Guard was now the proud owner of the sevenfold hangover Filthy Henry had been dealing with. Each of the leprechauns sat in silence, holding onto a pint of water for dear life and taking small sips from it to try and stay hydrated. Filthy Henry watched them from a stool up by the bar, sipping from a perfectly brewed mug of coffee and relishing the fact that he no longer was suffering from the events of the previous night. For a brief moment there, the fairy detective had been genuinely worried that he was now susceptible to hangovers. After all, many people spoke about how in their twenties they could drink a bar dry, and yet once they hit fifty, merely opening a packet of whisky-flavoured chocolates was enough to cause them to suffer for days afterwards. It had been a working theory up until 20 minutes ago that maybe once a half-breed hit 100 years old they simply had to be more careful about how much alcohol they consumed. Being the only half-breed to have lived this long Filthy Henry really was in uncharted territory when it came to knowing what sort of limits he had. But watching the puke green faces of the Rainbow Guard as they all shuddered collectively and tried not to get sick made the fairy detective feel safe that he was once again hangover proof. The hilarious thing is, I can't even help them, Bunty Dooley said, leaning over from the far side of the bar counter and resting her arms on it. Because they exported the hangover using magical means, it's somehow become a super hangover. Meaning what exactly? That hangovers are somehow sentient and don't like when you try and get rid of them magically? Don't be stupid, the sea said. Hangovers aren't thinking things. but fairies often misunderstand how magic subtly changes things, Magically moving seven hangovers into another person's body just made it magically resistant when it moved back again. Those wee lads are going to have to suffer through the entire thing, like mortals. And maybe next time they'll use their magic to cure themselves, instead of playing a cruel prank. Filthy Henry stood up from his stool. Yeah, sure, a prank. He walked across the empty bar floor and stood beside the booth, grinning down at the wretched figures before him. The fairy detective took a disgustingly long slurp from the mug of coffee. Slapping his lips loudly several times in satisfaction, Filthy Henry slammed the mug down on the table. It had the desired effect. All seven of the leprechauns recoiled in horror at the sound of his slurping then groaned in pain when he slammed the mug onto the table. What do you want, half-breed? Green asked, carefully taking a sip from his pint of water. I'm just checking in see how you're all doing, Filthy Henry said poking red in the head a few times until the leprechaun weakly batted his finger away. I wanted to ask you a question about this hat. We stole leprechaun's hat while drunk on power and booze then bumped into you when all the St. Patrick's Day fun was happening in the city. Since we knew the king would punish us immediately when he learned we stole the hat we decided we'd make you our patsy but we wanted to also enjoy the rest of the day drinking. That's when Yellow came up with the idea of moving all our hangovers into you. Dropping you off here and leaving the hat with you. Filthy Henry frowned. Green slowly shifted his head and looked up at the fairy detective. So you're telling me this was all just some poor attempt to cover up drunken shenanigans, Filthy Henry said. It was not a question, and the leprechauns knew it. They all nodded their heads slowly twice. Which makes me think the real question to get asked is this. "'the fairy detective said, leaning down and resting his palms on the table "'so that he could look each leprechaun in the eye in turn. "'What's in this for me?' "'Well, now, you're not getting a wish if that's what you're after. "'What we did wasn't bad enough that you get a wish out of us "'for payment for keeping the lie,' Green said. "'Besides, even if we did agree to a wish, we couldn't do what you want. "'Only leprechaun has the power to grant a wish that would turn you into a full fairy.' Oh, I know that, Filthy Henry said. I used that wish up on something more important anyway. No, I'm not looking for a wish. Watching you all suffer is a nice contribution to my payment. No, I reckon, though, that a favour isn't out of the question. A token to be called in, no questions asked. Within reason, Blue added. The fairy detective inclined his head, nodding in agreement. Yeah, sure, within reason. No asking for extra tokens. Nothing that would be considered a crime and no tricks that would see the token become a wish. From just one of us now, Red added. You're not getting seven tokens. It's a group token and any one of us is able to pay it. Filthy Henry smiled. There really is no pulling a fast one on a ferry, is there? he said. Agreed. One token. Payable by anyone. Green considered the proposal while sipping from his pint of water. As he put the glass down, the leprechaun reached over to shake hands with the fairy detective. Two sparks appeared above their hands, mingled and disappeared. No talking when Shorty shows up, Filthy Henry said. If this works out the way I want it to, you'll be little damn heroes. He's here, Bunty Dooley said from over at the bar. The fairy detective stood up and walked back over to his stool. At a nod from Filthy Henry, the sea gestured at the door of her pub. Each of the bolts slid back, and the left door opened, revealing a well-dressed leprechaun leaning on a golden cane. Permission to enter, he asked, leaning nonchalantly on his golden cane. You're not a bloody stoker, leprechaun, Filthy Henry said. It's true, the king of the leprechauns replied, but I also have been barred from this fine establishment for five hundred years, so I want to make sure I can cross the threshold and not be as presumptuous as some half-breeds tend to be. It was refreshing to know that other folk also got barred from Bunty Dooley's, besides Filthy Henry, although one that had been put in place five hundred years ago was something of an eye-opener. So many questions floated through the fairy detective's head at that moment. Like what could Leprechaun have done that was so terrible to receive such a punishment? And more importantly, could a similar fate ever happen to Dublin's first and foremost fairy detective? Before Filthy Henry could speak, Bunty addressed the King of the Leprechauns. For the remainder of our business today, you may enter and enjoy the safety of my bar, the sea said. Her northern lilt dialed up ever so slightly as she gave the very serious instructions. Filthy Henry watched Leprechaun enter the bar, closing the door behind him. He strolled over to Bunty and Filthy Henry. Spying his hat on the bar counter, the king of the Leprechauns pointed at it with his cane. I see my property's been recovered, he said. Now the real question must be answered. Just who do I need to kill for such a transgression? Well, unless you're a big fan of punishing yourself, I'd hold off on that fairy hunt, Filthy Henry said, lifting the hat off the bar counter and offering it to Leprechaun. The King of the Leprechauns took the hat and placed it on his head, completing his entire ensemble and looking like the mascot on a sugary breakfast cereal had come to life. Explain, he said. Filthy Henry pointed over at the Rainbow Guard. So you give them St. Patrick's Day off to drink, right? He asked. Leprechaun nodded. See, this is what happens when you let them unionise. They started to look for the same days off that mortals get. Notions, I tell you. Notions. But yes, they had yesterday off. Well, it turns out that even though they were all drunk off their backsides, they spotted something unusual. The King of the Leprechauns leaned in ever so slightly. It was a sign that Filthy Henry's storytelling skills had not dimmed over the years. If your audience wanted to come in closer to hear you, then whatever you were saying had them hooked. A true storyteller could then spin a yarn so well that fact and fiction became bedfellows. So tightly interwoven, not even the best fairy detective in Ireland would be able to unravel them without going mad. What? Naprocon asked. Filthy Henry grinned. The hook had a bite. Well, that lot spotted a human with your hat, he said. Now, I don't know how that might have happened, unless you were out in the city yesterday drinking it up along with everyone else. Leprechaun frowned. Well, of course I was. I'm the top leprechaun this island, and yesterday was just as important a day for fairies as it was for mortals. I had to be around the common fairy, showing my face and pressing the flesh. But what's that got to do with this? He trailed off then reached up and touched his hat as if an idea had just materialised. Bingo, Filthy Henry said, making hand pistols and shooting in the air. You had a few drinks, partied with the people, then misplaced your hat. Lapercon looked slightly confused. Yes, I suppose that could be something that happened. So then your brave band of rainbow guards over there, while enjoying their day off, spotted some mortal walking around with your hat on their head. Then again, when they're drinking, chances are they get so bleary-eyed they can see fairies too. Whatever happened, your hat wound up on a human head. Then along comes the Rainbow Guard. And even though they barely had a sober brain cell between them, they spotted your hat. Labour looked over at the Rainbow Guard. That bunch of degenerates are only useful for powering my rainbow to protect the mother Crock, he said. You're telling me that while there were six sheets to the wind, they spotted my hat amongst all the similar coloured and styled hats in the city? I don't know what to tell you, the fairy detective said, but that's what happened. The king of the leprechauns turned his head slowly back to Filthy Henry and stared up at him. It was a thoughtful stare, but there was the slightest hint of suspicion in the leprechauns' eyes. Their history was one built on mutual distrust, a few double crosses, two or three backstabbings, and one underhanded dealing. It was not a foundation that inspired trust in a relationship. But at that moment in time, They were all on a neutral balance in terms of who had screwed who over recently. The scoreboard was all tied up at zero apiece. Fine, Leprechaun said after a minute of silence. So they found my hat, even when they weren't meant to be working. Big damn heroes. Let's leave it at that so. Bunty, always a pleasure. Halfbreed, always a chore. Rainbow Guard, roll out. The Rainbow Guard emitted a unified groan down the remaining contents of water they each had in their glass, then slid out of the booth and traipsed across the floor to the front door. Leprechaun met them there, opening the door and glaring at them each individually as they walked out onto the street. When the last one had passed him, the king of the leprechauns looked over at the bar and tipped his hat at Filthy Henry and Bunty, before stepping outside and closing the door behind him. Filthy Henry spun around on a stool and smiled across at Bunty Dooley. What do you think about that? Bunty grinned and nodded her head a few times. I'm impressed. That was some great A waffle you fed him. And he ate it up. I mean, is there magic in that storytelling skill you have or does it just come naturally? I'm not sure. I've definitely been able to spin a good yarn all my life. The number of times it's got me out of trouble growing up. I swear once I was let off purely because the story took about three hours to tell. At the end of it, the teacher forgot what I had supposedly been in trouble for. Bunty Dooley shook her head and smiled. There's always something new to learn about you, Filthy Henry, the sea said. Now get out, you're barred. For what? Filthy Henry asked, sitting bolt upright and looking at Bunty in shock. Bunty Dooley reached under the counter and brought up a small copper key. She placed it down between herself and the fairy detective, holding it in place with her slender index finger. Filthy Henry looked down at the key, then up into the eyes of the sea. Ah, he said, that? Yes, Bunty Dooley said, that. See, the thing is, Filthy Henry began before she cut him off, the thing is you used my spare key to let yourself in last night and sleep on my floor. My spare key that disables all my security spells and allows anyone in his possession to walk right in here. I found it over by the front door. Beside a small bit of what I hope is Filthy Henry puke that I cleaned up, I see, the fairy detective said, feeling his cheeks begin to go red. Now, how did you end up having my spare key? Several stories immediately popped into Filthy Henry's head. Lies and tall tales They were all designed to get him off the hook. But the fairy detective figured he would try an unusual tactic and just use honesty with the sea. A few months ago you asked me to put it on a hook for you, behind the counter, after you'd found it somewhere it shouldn't have been the hook being enchanted so that only you would be able to take the key off it again. I remember, Bunty said, lifting the key up off the counter and putting it on an ornate hook between two whisky bottles. Well, you never said how quickly you wanted me to do that. So I sort of held on to the key just in case of an emergency. To be honest, I forgot I had it until last night. The sea stood up and crossed her arms, giving Filthy Henry a hard stare. When I ask you to do something... "'and failed to mention the when of it. "'You can assume I always mean immediately, "'not eventually at your earliest convenience.' "'I know that now,' the Henry said, shrugging, "'and grinned even more to try and disarm the situation. "'You could have cut the silence with a knife.' "'Shut up and get out,' "'Bunty Dooley snapped. "'You're barred. "'I'll see you in three weeks.' Filthy Henry Case Files The Hang Under is an original story by Derek Power narration and music by Niall Milton other works by Derek Power are available to buy right now on Amazon Kindle and while you're there why not send us a like or subscribe to the podcast or even better share it with one of your friends we'd really appreciate it